Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And we have a guy joining us all the way from the, from London in the UK. So stay with me. I'm, I'm going to play this video. I'll be right back. And we are back. Let me bring Summit. Summit. I see. I knew I was going to screw it up. Let's just bring him on. <laughs> hey, hey. Did I get it? Summit. Summit. Yes, yeah, I'm it. Sam it. Sam it. I can't say it with that East Texas accent you have. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> the British accent. That oh, British. <laughs> I knew that. How you doing, man? It's good to have you on. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm so glad to just be on here talking to you. So I'm really excited to be breaking some stuff down. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. So so you know, I um we were we were brought together by Zach Benson, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. He's our mutual friend that introduced us. Um, you know, me and him did this time last year actually. We were both in Phuket. Um, we were both up on stage and we were just kicking it at, at a mastermind uh, with some other great people like Mark Jonah, um, Steve Tan, Vince Tan, a bunch bunch of really great guys, and that's where we ended up connecting. Yeah. Um, and Zach, Zach's just a, such a nice down to earth guy, and I was like, you know, I told him that I want to do the podcast scene, and if he can introduce me to some people, and he said, yeah, sure. And this is how we ended up connecting. Yeah, Zach's good people, man. He's a good dude. So, so. You know, I started this show about two and a half years ago now, or may, almost three. Um, and and you know, I think that we, as human beings, I truly believe that we heal our own lives by hearing how other people healed theirs. And so, you know, that's kind of where where this all is. So so let's start with where you were born and raised. Yeah, sure. So I was born in London um, to a small Asian family. Um, one mum, one dad, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, one younger, one younger brother. The younger brother is the good-looking version of me. He's uh, six foot tall, really muscly, um, and he's the prized child of the family. Right? He's he's the guy that's going to be the doctor. Um, and if if any of you guys know about Asian parents, they always want you to be one of these categories. They want you to be a doctor, accountant, lawyer, or something crazy like that. Yeah. And I, I was always the rebel child, right? I was the guy that was just not going to be uh, doing any of that. I was the, the guy that was always getting told off at school. I was the guy that was always uh, speaking up. I was always the guy that I was getting into fights and getting beaten up most of the time because I was a really skinny sort of guy. Um, and yeah, you know, um, down in London, that's where we sort of, uh, got brought up, um, low, low income family. Uh, my dad got made redundant very early on from his job. Um, so we never, never had access to, uh, private schools or anything like that. Went through completely through the state. 
um, was in probably one of the the roughest parts of London. Uh, for anyone, any of your listeners that know about Croydon, uh, they'll they'll probably know the stories about it. Um, but yeah, that that's that's pretty much where I whereabouts I've um, grown up um, through my young well, life. Yeah, go on. So well, you so you you said you were a, a, a rebel. You were like, I'm not going to be a doctor or a lawyer. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was never, I was never, I was never that smart, to be honest. Um, you know, like my dad, my dad's, you know, very strict. He's, he's, he's got OCD as well. So which doesn't really help him. He's like this, this guy would be in the bathroom from four hours in the morning and four hours in the evening. God knows what he does in there. And he walks around with plastic bags and stuff like that. And that, that really affected me growing up, you know, because it was very frustrating to have someone like that around and as i've got older i've got to understand it a bit more but it's still very frustrating yeah um, and then he was complete the opposite of what you'd say is an entrepreneur you know entrepreneur is someone that sees something and tries to work hard and d goes the complete opposite direction but right. he got made redundant very early on um and he then just decided he didn't want to do it anything or you know any of the jobs out there weren't really his standard and he used to be in sales um so that was very difficult growing up um you know he he's a very strict parent he would be putting me into all these entrance exams for these schools and trying to get me in and i would always fail them <laughs> there, there was no hope of me getting in wow so so you went through and i i and this is all in in the uk right yeah, all, all in the UK. Um, I was born in the UK and uh, raised in the UK. Yeah. Is that you or me? I think that's you. I don't even know how that's happening. I don't know what that is. That's crazy. Yeah, it must be some meeting or something. Oh, it might be. Um, that was weird. Very weird. Never heard. I've never heard that sound on my computer, so I don't know what it was. Anyway, so um, so you were you were, you know, in in the UK. I mean, what? So do they have like here in the states? They have you know elementary school, then junior high, and then high school. Is it the same there? Yeah, pretty pretty much. So you've got the the primary school, the secondary school, the college, and then the university. Okay. And did you do college and university? I did. I did. Yeah. I went through the whole process. You know, I think um, a lot of people uh, in hindsight tell, ask me like, what's been my motivation to do what I do right now? And I can probably place it to uh, my childhood growing up, um, my secondary school, where I used to get you know, I used to get bullied is the, is the, the term, right? Like I, I used to get picked on because of my race my religion. Um, I used to get picked on because I was completely different. I, you know, it wasn't that I was nerdy. I never fitted in with the nerdy crowd and yeah. I never fitted in with like the jocks. I never, there was no way I sort of fitted in because since, since I was young, I was always very talkative and I, I have like a, you know, they, in all the reports, all the school reports, they would say he just doesn't pay attention. You know, that, that's one of the things. And I think that led to me just not working with as well with other school kids. Um, this ended up getting me into a lot of fights in my first day in secondary school. Like this, like you go into a brand new school and you're hoping that everything's going to be great. But the first day, what happened, there must have been a really big rainstorm. 
and in the playground there must have been a huge huge puddle um and you know all the kids would try and avoid dropping into this puddle um what one of the elder kids did they picked me up by my bag and just threw me into this pond um and the literally all the school kids just surrounded me and that was my first very first day in secondary school and, and that I, was that was because of your your what race I, Reli I, just I think I think someone just thought it was funny and just thought, let me just chuck this guy in. You know, I, I must have been uh, about maybe 11, 11 years old at that point. Um, kids so, can kids can be nasty. Yeah, it, it was, and and that that was literally. I had to be five years in that secondary school, and I, I couldn't leave because you know, to my dad, I, I was looked upon like a failure. So I failed all these entrance exams, and every time they'd be like, "How was school?" and I'd be like. Oh yeah, school was great. Even though I probably got beaten up about three times in that day, and the wow. school was a case where you know if you got beaten up and you told someone, they'd probably beat you up or the teachers. Like wow. that's how bad the school was. People would be beating up the teachers, so the teachers couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything. I would try and avoid everyone as much as possible. You couldn't even sit inside during playtime because the teachers didn't really like me because I was a very, you know, I'd, I'd speak a lot and the teachers would be like, no, no, you go out. So they'd always send me out into the jungle, <laughs> which was, wow. which was crazy. But yeah, for, you know, from, from uh, year seven all the way to year 11, it was just daily getting beaten up, beaten up, beaten up. Um, and that, that's what the situation for me was. Um, you know, I went through a lot of things uh, where, at that young age, I was thinking to myself, look, you know, this is pointless. Like I've got no one that I can talk to. Um, it's better ending ending it right now, you know, and, and I was thinking about suicide and things like that. Um, but the one thing that kept me together was the love of my mum, you know, knowing that it would really pain my mum. And also the fact that I turned to religion. So I, I was praying every single day um, that people would not beat me up, people wouldn't bully me, people wouldn't do X, Y, Z to me, and my life would just become better. Um, there was no solution, right? It, was, it wasn't a case of praying and then it would turn things around. It was just something I had to get over, um, and it was something that I couldn't share with no one. Um, and the, mo wow. the motivation I used was, you know, I, I want to go and make a name for myself. I want to become big. And I want to then come back and be, and these people that are beating me up, they're going to be like poorer than me. They're going to be people that, you know, I'm, they're going to see me succeed. And I think that's what a lot of my drive comes down to um, is that wow. moment. You know, I, I got to tell you, man, like, you know who Andy Frisella is? Uh, no, no, he's, he's a, an entrepreneur here in the States a celebrity he's he does three four hundred million dollars a year in business and uh, he owns he's the founder of um first form fitness mm. and and so so andy was on the show and <laughs> i said what is where where did this insatiable drive for success come from he goes honestly it was probably because I was bullied my whole life, <laughs> right? And it, it's it, that happens, man. So I can I can relate to a lot of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So so when when you um, when you got out of and they don't call it high school there, they call it what primary school? 
so once you come out of secondary school, secondary school. Uh, yeah, so secondary school is where I got bullied a lot. Um, and then you'd go into college. Um, this is some of the war wounds I've got. So my my head got cracked right there. Jeez. Uh, and I had a couple of other cracks as well. Um, on oh my, my gosh, man. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And so then you, you left there and you went on to university. Did you ever, did you ever like, did you ever, I mean, it's, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but did you fight back? I'm sure you did. Yeah, I I wasn't one that wouldn't fight back. Like, as in, you have to. But it got to a point where you fight back and the whole school would jump in and just start beating you up because that, that connected. Like, it wouldn't be just, like, a group, like, three, four people. It would be, like, the whole school that would end up punching you. Good um, Lord. It's called, the technical term in London is getting rushed. That's, that's what it's called, right? Um, so... There was one guy I had 13 fights with, um, like when I was trying to fight back. And what would happen, because this guy would be in my class, the, all the classmates would keep egging the other person on or, you know, it got to a point where I was just like, I'm not going to fight no more. And that's that's what ended up happening, you know, after the first year. Like, I'm just gonna, not going to be the guy that fights back. I took the beating. All you got to do is get into the ball position and and try and hope that no one hits you or there's no teeth lost or blood and or broken noses or anything like that dude that sucks kids yeah. are, kids kids can so so you went if the, it, you you finally got out of secondary secondary school and you went to college yeah, college college was much better for me. Um, you know, there was girls there. It was mixed. Like the 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 secondary school I went to was all boys. Um, so that probably probably was a reason why. You know, they had a lot of bent up anger um, and probably yeah. had family issues that also played a part. And and you know, as entrepreneurs, you always reflect on the time and what happened. And you know, it comes down to that. Um, but college was much better for me. College was, there was girls there. Um, I sort of was a guy that, that connected with people, um, very easily, um, at the, in college. Um, and you know, straight away I'd be talking to all the girls, whereas the guys would probably be a bit nervous, um, rather than anything serious. It would just, it was just like friendships. Right. So yeah. I'd, I'd be straight away pegged into the friend zone. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, Sammy, he's, he's, he's the guy that wouldn't cause any issue. You know, oh, let, let's tell him about my problems with my boyfriend. So I yeah. used to be that guy. Um, but that, I was fine. You know, after coming from a place where I used to get beaten up every day, coming into an environment where I was like, you know, someone's friend and someone yeah. was there to care was just nice. Yeah. Um, and college was much better for me, you know. Um, I, I was in college for three years. I should have been in there for two years. I, I must have missed out by a couple of marks to get the grades I wanted. So I was thinking to myself, I'm going to just redo them exams and just focus. And and that was a good decision because I ended up going to a much better university. Yeah. So you ended up going to... you. So is college, is that like high school for us? How old are you when you get out of college? So college, I was uh, 16, and then you're there for until, uh, you should be there until 18, but I stayed till I was 19. Okay, so that's kind of, that's, 
that's kind of like high school here in the states and yeah. then you go you you go to university um yeah. and so what did you study in university university i studied uh business uh the university for me like from a very young age i was like i was thinking about business but i never really did anything i knew that you know i wanted to do something different um and i went to university in london i, I did business like I, I didn't really think anything would come out of that degree but i did it to get away from home you know this was the first time i'd be able to get away from home and being at home was really difficult with my dad around and uh, all these other things so you know getting that break and moving away and having my own room having my own space was just a fresh of breath air for me um the the problem arised very quickly right because we didn't have funds like to like all we could probably afford was the tuition fees um right. and the government was paying most of that but to to go and rent out a room and have the food and to go out and enjoy yourself you need money very quickly so this is where you know first day i got in most people would be thinking about um you know how to make friends or how to enjoy their university like i was thinking how to make money from day one um i ended up uh connecting with some people that i ended up talking to and they were like look what you can do is you can uh, organize these club nights and every person you sort of bring along to the club we will give you one pound per person and i was thinking to myself oh one pound per person and then if you bring more than 20 people you get two pound persons so I, like, I was like okay that sounds interesting to me so yeah. instead the first day what i did was and I, I was a brilliant networker right like it just came natural to me to say hello to someone and go hey you know what what are you doing and then moving along and getting to know the whole room so there must have been a thousand students within uh, the first freshers night um, where they throw club parties to introduce all the new people. I ended up um, I ended up creating with my flatmates. So there's two of us. And I said to them, look, you know, we're fresh at university. We want to get to know people. Let's try and make as many friends as we can. So I went to them and said, every person that you say hello to make sure you introduce me and every person i say hello to i'll make sure i introduce you so we went off within this room of 1000 people by the end of the night we had met every single person uh and we had introduced every single person to everyone else so this everyone that was there 1000 people they had got to know each other through what we were doing uh one sec i think that was me uh, there you go yeah, so every single person we had ended up getting to know. So, um, and by the the first night, I was the most popular person on campus because everyone wow. knew. Wow. Like, and that that was that was the transition, right? Going from secondary school to being just this loser guy, and going to university and being the most popular guy there was. But but you know, I I I, I want to touch on this because I I I find it very. Um, curious actually and 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 again i can relate to a lot of this so when you spend all those years literally getting your ass kicked every day like there like what else is there left to fear like <laughs> you don't have any fear now like oh i'm gonna go talk to this girl or i'm gonna go talk to this group of people that's nothing compared to getting beat up every day <laughs> 
That's true. So maybe it prepared you a little. I don't know, man. There, see, there's always a silver lining if you look for it. Yeah, you can always find a silver lining. And I think, yeah. I think you know, the life experiences I've been through has prepared me to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, the So all these thousands of people that I got to know, um, the next part of the plan was to sort of get them to come to my club nights. So what's traditional for uh, new students is for a week or two, they'd be going to all the university nights, right? But after the first night where I got to meet everyone, I said to them, look, you know, we already did the whole university club night that they organized. The second night I was like, look, I've got this really cool place for us to hit up. Would you guys be down? And everyone was like, uh, I don't know, I don't know. So I said, all right, cool. You know, there's another hundred people coming and they're all gonna meet outside my dorm room. So my dorm room was very well positioned. It was like in the middle of the campus or yeah. just before you ended up going to leave. So everyone had to pass through that. Um, so from about eight o'clock, I had hundreds of people literally just waiting outside my dorm. They were like cattle looking for something wow. to do all had drinks all had everything so and then i was like the shepherd directing them and we would go off campus and straight into london to the club night that i was told to promote so i i and we would walk up to the club would go through public transport and everything and there'd just be a crowd of about thousand of us wow um, and would turn up at this club night and would just pack it up all out and like literally they would do a shout out for is anyone here from queen mary's and everyone be like yeah and that like literally is the whole club <laughs> but that that's wow. that's how i tried earning money like i i was walking out with uh you know 100 200 pounds every sort of night within my first week which helped me fund the lifestyle that i now created as well as paying for my dorm room paying for my expenses and everything else that was involved with it and soon as I saw that money, I was like, whoa, you know, and the lifestyle that came with it, you get to go into clubs, you get to walk through, you're talking to girls and whatnot. Um, and it was all very, you know, like I, I was like the cool kid. And I and that was a very weird experience coming from absolutely nowhere to being the cool kid. Um, the, the people I was organizing the club nights with, they saw that, you know, this guy is bringing a, a lot of people every single time. So why don't we try and motivate him somewhere else? Um, and that's where I took it to the next level. And the next level was to actually organize my own club nights, you know, hire my own DJ, put everything together. And that's that's literally like the next stage of how I took my income from just 100, 200 pounds to walking away with nearly a thousand a week. Wow, dude. And you were not, what, 20... 1 20 20 21 uh, no i was 19 19 years old and you're you're killing it wow yeah so so um how uh, i want to i want to transition at some point but how did so you went through all of this and is that what you kept doing throughout all of you, yeah, your time in the university yeah, throughout three years, um, that's what I did. You know, I went bigger and better. Um, I ended up becoming like the biggest uh, club night promoter in all of London. Um, wow. Literally every single person at one point probably knew who I was. Um, I was probably one of the first guys to take advantage of Facebook um, and Facebook events. Yeah, um, wow. And, and the club nights I had, you know, the, the 
when I first started off, I had nothing like I'd have a very small venue that was really rubbish and I'd be competing against Ministry of Sound, which is a well-known brand. And I'd be competing against others who had a lot of money. Um, but what actually made my club night special was that that I invented, well, I would host that birthday. So I would make the birthdays feel really special. And it was like, I, I was the first guy to really use Facebook birthdays. Anytime there was someone's birthday, I would call all these people up like three months in advance and say, what are you doing for your birthday? Why don't you come and do it at my place? They'll be like, no, no, you know, this other place is much better, much bigger. And I'd be like, Look, but they, they don't care about you. Look what I'll do. I'll give you a nice VIP area. I'll give you some free drinks, uh, bring your friends along, and I'll make sure you're treated like a queen or a king. And at midnight, I would get up on top on the stage, and I would get all the birthdays up, give them a cake, and I'd host them, and I'd get the whole club singing happy birthday. And that's what made that club night. It was, it was like the worst club in all of London, but it ended up, People like the other people that would be going to all these club nights, they had to shut that club down and had to come to and party with me. That that's how crazy it was. Wow, dude, that's awesome. So it's it's interesting though that I, I mean the transition from from where you were as a kid and all the stuff you went through in in your earlier years, um, and then you become the most popular, the most popular. I what what's the title? I, I mean, <laughs> party planner. <laughs> probably yeah, probably probably something like that. Um, yeah. I think I to get things done. Yeah, and I and I was trying to get a university degree out of it as well at the same time. Did you get one? Yeah, I did. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you did you do? Did you score well or? Yeah, I, I got I got I got the same as all my friends and all of my friends went to all the lectures. I literally went I went to hardly any lectures in my first year. They nearly kicked me out and I had to do all my term papers within one week. I managed to get that done. But yeah, people people didn't know who I was in my lectures until like the end of the year because they'd be like because I'd never wake up for them. I'd be known as the vampire. I'd just wake up at nighttime and be like, "Hey guys, party time." Yeah. Wow. So, so, um, so after university, what did you do then? You, did you keep planning parties? <laughs> um, it got to a point where I was like, there's only so much I can talk to 18 year olds. By that point I was 21, 22. Um, yeah. so I was getting old and, you know, I, I didn't want to do that for the rest of, I didn't want to keep doing that. Um, I graduated in 2009, which was like the biggest financial crash. There was no jobs going um, and I didn't really want to apply for any jobs. So what I did was I connected up with a couple of my friends, um, seeing what they were doing. One of my friends had a travel company and I thought, OK, you know what? I love traveling. I love uh, I love uh, doing I, everyone says they love traveling. I don't think I've met a person that goes, no, I don't like traveling. So, <laughs> yeah. So for me, that that was a logical thing to do. So, um, ended Is up, what travel? No, uh, running a travel company. So I, I ended up setting up a travel company using my friends' licenses and things like that. It the the problem was that it was a very traditional, old school, family run business. So yeah. I was telling them in 2009 about the benefits of having a booking system. They were like, no, we do everything off the phone. Don't, you're young, don't come in here and change things. And, I, and you know, 
And look where we are now, where we're at a point where everyone's using a booking system. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to drill this in, drill this in, and they'd be like, yeah, we'll we'll get to it, we'll get to it. I think two or three years of my life passed and nothing had moved on, you know, and it was, it was, I was running a business where thing, things would be bootstrapped. So every income that we'd make would throw it back into it. And that was no way to run a business at all. Like, I don't know what I was doing between two, two to three years. I, I just had no clue. Like, I just thought it would be easy because I was thinking I was making a grand a week. And now for me to go in into a job and earn eight to 10 pounds an hour is ridiculous, right? Yeah. So that's why I was like, no, I want to run my own business. I want to do whatever. So after three years, you know, seeing that this business was going nowhere, I again reached out to my connections um, and ended up connecting with one of my other friends uh, who was like, you know, he, he's got this business and he wants some help. Um, and he goes, look, you know, as long as you don't care where the money's coming from, uh, just just sort of do it. Right. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. You know, this guy had a BMW. He had a nice girlfriend. He had all the things that I was aspiring to be. Right. Um, and he he sold me into the dream, uh, got me signed into some paperwork. And I was literally just working in a hair salon like me as a guy that knows nothing about hair was selling <laughs> was selling hair extensions to women. I was oh like, well, like, so I was, I'd be managing girls that would be in the shop. Um, I'd be dealing with all the crap that came with it. Um, and also, you know, all these unhappy customers who were claiming that horse hair was being put into their hair. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, so really bizarre. So, you know, the friend was like, look, you know, just use this as a training ground, see what things are like. And I was like, all right, cool. I kept at it, kept at it. And then after about six months, I was like, I didn't come here to be an employee. If I wanted to be an employee, I would have just gone somewhere else. Right. Then he was like, okay, cool. You know, um, I've got this really cool idea. It's SEO. And I was like, but the SEO market's already saturated. What What's going to be different? He's like, don't worry. I know that I know how to make this money, you know, I, I've got, look, I've got the fancy car, I've got the nice house, I've got the beautiful girlfriend, all the things that you want. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, so again, you know, I set up this business, which was a SEO company. Um, I'd be going day and night, literally docking, knocking on every single business's door saying, hey, do you want some SEO services? Um, and again, it was very difficult to set up because it's something I haven't done, right? But talking to people was natural to me. Um, right. We ended up getting sales. We ended up building up a sales team. Uh, again, managing the sales team was a headache because they, they were getting paid peanuts and managing them was always very difficult. Um, after about six months again, you know, the, the, the problem happened that the, the, the other business partner I had, he wasn't doing anything. He, so the guy that had the BMW, nice car, nice girlfriend, he he just wouldn't be servicing the clients. So I'd be getting sales from people, but we wouldn't be able to keep them on because none of the work was being done. And I was like, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. Like, how am I working for you or how am I building this business and you're not able to service these people? Like you said, that's what you're able to do. So now I'm selling people on things that you can't achieve. And he goes, oh, the money we're charging is too little, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but why did you do this in the first place? Like, you're the guy that's made money and you're telling me, like, it was just ridiculous. And it got to like a, you know, I became really angry and I was like, look, I'm going to, 
I'm going to do something of my own and, you know, I'm going to create a business that's going to be servicing people and it's going to be something that's scalable. I spent the next one to two months trying to think of what to do. Um, and did, with you, did you leave that company? Uh, no, I still, I was still there. Like yeah. it, it got to a point where I was angry, but I was like, okay, you know what? Like they provided enough sort of things. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be responsible for the clients now and I'm going to make sure that we're delivering a good result. So I ended up seeing social media really taking off at that time. Um, and what I ended up doing was creating a social media company. Um, they would get three posts for 99 bucks a month. Um, and this company ended up doing really, really well. It was a scalable model. It was very simple to get social media because social media was really hot at that time. Um, and people started coming in. Uh, the, the company ended up doing well, but what happened was the business partner ended up pushing me out of that company because I I wanted more percent. I was very I was a very gullible uh, young person that knew nothing about business, right? Right. So this guy was giving me um, five percent of a business, and he was saying, you know, you, you'll be like, this is really good. I'm going to put in the money. You don't have to worry about anything. Um, for the SEO company, I understood, okay, you know, he's providing everything. So maybe, yeah. you know, but for the social media company, there was no expenditure from him. Like yeah. no nothing was put into it and everything was done through my, my uh, initiative and I did everything. But he was like, no, you know, you came up with this idea because you were working with, uh, you know, you worked on the PPC and that's where the idea came from. So right. in that sense, it's my idea. I was like, no, I was like, that's ridiculous, <laughs> right? I was like, I want more percentage of this company. And, you know, he was like, no. So I ended up getting pushed out of the company. And then I thought to myself, I could just do this myself. So I again, tried to set it up. And then the next thing you know, I'm getting legal letters. I'm getting this guy trying to sue me. I had the police turn up at my doorstep because he claimed I stole things. And wow. I was like, I was like, whoa, you know, I, I thought of this guy as like, he was almost like my father figure. Like yeah. that's how much of a relationship we built up. Um, and it just went so sour. And I, I don't even know, like I'm, I'm a very reasonable person. Like if someone's arguing with me, then I always try and find some middle ground. But you know, this guy just went crazy and uh, like, yeah, just ended up sending me a bunch of legal letters and trying to sue the hell out of me. And I, I was, at that point, I was broke. Like I was I was 29, 29 or 28 years old, I think. Yeah, one of them ages. Um, and I had zero to my name, you know, like yeah. my friends, my friends would be like, hey, do you wanna come out for a drink? And they'd be doing this for about five years while I was in this working as in the businesses. Yeah. So 2009 till 2015, I was broke. Like there was every year I'd have zero in my bank balance. It got to a point where the bank had to blacklist me um, and had to shut my account down because I had generated so much interest and debt and they just blacklisted me and that wow. affected my credit rating for a very long time. But yeah, during that time frame, I also, you know, uh, lost contact with a lot of friends because with, you know, they would all be working, they'd be going on holidays together, they'd be doing all the fun stuff, which I couldn't do, and I'd have to make some excuse. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, yeah. busy. Yeah, we're just nearly there. You know, we're trying to find the space. We're, we're going to be successful soon. Like, it was making up escape excuses and trying to not, sh uh, you know, show my true self.
Um, right. And 2015, it all just came to a big, big, like, poof. You know, I, I was really stressed out at that period. I, I literally knew nothing. I, I thought there was no way out of this. Um, and then a uh, event took place. Um, so if, if you guys remember my younger brother, the six foot giant, the, the really good looking one, uh, the one that would be a doctor, he graduated that year and him and his friends went away for a holiday. Um, even before he went away from his holiday, I had a really weird feeling about him. And it's very unusual because, you know, it's he's a really big giant and you, you'd never think anything of it. But I, I started praying for him even before he went, which is very unusual. I've never prayed for anyone to this day that is currently around. Right. It's always like um, or nothing wrong with them. And I was praying and I was like, make sure nothing happens to him. I even had a conversation with him. I said, I, I don't know what's going on, but I've got this really, really weird feeling. Um, yeah. that something really bad is going to happen to you. And I don't know what it is. Um, so I said, have you got insurance? And he's like, no. I said, go get insurance. Make sure you're going to get some insurance, right? He ended up getting some insurance, which was good. Um, and then he left, got on the flight. He messaged me, said he landed safely. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe it's just me overthinking it. I was thinking maybe... If something was going to happen, it'd be his flight, right? Because we're right. all programmed to think about flights and right, right, like that. So I think maybe it's just maybe it was just that. But I kept having that. So even the first day, I I prayed for him. I said, make sure he's okay. Make sure he comes back safe. And later on in that day, maybe six hours after, I get I get a call from an unknown number. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I pick it up, and they're like, oh, hey, it's uh, Druven's friend, and I'm like uh yeah oh oh hi how's the holiday how's things going um I, i've never spoke to this guy before right um but he's like oh uh yeah i don't know how to tell you this but your brother's got into an accident and i was like what do you mean and he's like he's drowned and i was like whoa and that that's why things froze for me because i was like wait a minute I, like that's so weird that i was having this feeling before he even went and it's something that you can't explain and it's something happened to him and i was like that's just mind-blowing to me right wow so I, I froze at that moment because like it was a lot of emotions it wasn't just the emotion that my brother was you know he had ended up drowning abroad it was the case that i was also thinking that something was going to happen and it ended up happening um where I, where was he what what country was he in uh in turkey he went uh yeah, he went for a swim and, uh, you know, ended up, it was a dumb thing from him. He couldn't swim, so I don't know why he tried to swim. Um, really, really wow. stupid. Um, but, you know, so for those of you that are probably in tears right now, he does survive, just an FYI. So I, oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the rest of the story, um, which is the other sort of pivot that really happened in my life. Um, I, I think there's some someone actually said you can actually break down maybe three moments in your life that led you to the exact point that you are right now. And I think, you know, like adding up this story, you can probably see where I get to. Um, but, yeah, back to the story. Uh, do you want to ask anything, Ken? I, I'm uh, well, you said, you know, drown normally means like they expire. They drown. They're dead. They're gone. But that yeah. isn't what happened. No, no, no. Yeah, so yeah, they they say drowned. Uh, you know, but his friends didn't know anything because they the the doctors wouldn't tell him. They would only tell friends and family. So they wow. were like, they won't tell us. 
um, you need to get down here. And I, you know, at that point, I had no money. I was 29 years old. I had to go and beg my mum and dad for money, right? And that, that, that was my lowest point. I was 29 years old, and I was really like, how much of a failure am I? How crappy am I that I can't pay to get on a flight to go and see whether my brother's okay? And that was really like the, the was a low point for me because I was like, if anything happened to him, I'd have to be the breadwinner. I'd have to be the guy that, you know, my parents' favorite child was him because he was the doctor and he's the good looking one and the muscly one, right? Whereas I was the, the, the person that wasn't. Um, and for me, that was like a really big wake up call. Um, I ended up, you know, my parents gave me the money uh, and uh, I ended up going um, to Turkey. I ended up seeing him. Uh, he was he was uh, unconscious. Uh, he was in a, a coma for about four or five days. Wow. Uh, but as soon as I saw him, I knew he would be fine. I there was no there was no issue. Like soon as I saw him, I just woke up. And it's not like the doctors didn't even know he was going to be okay. Um, but for some reason, I felt like an energy that just reinvigorated me after then. Uh, the doctors said, you know, everything that happened to him was chance again so you know i i know we're approaching maybe a time limit um but i'll give you a quick breakdown he had nearly 95 percent water in his lungs which you know even yeah. after cpr was was a very you know he could hardly breathe and he was literally um ready to go um to heaven or wherever he was going to get called to um you know, everything, like the story of how the hospital breaks it down was really good. You know, they were like, he drowned, um, but luckily uh, there was a guy on a jet ski randomly about that ended up picking him out of it. There was an ambulance which was attending someone else, which was just parked up next to the beach. Um, so it's all, all of these seconds literally added up to make sure he was alive. Um, so wow. again, very, very weird stuff. Um, you know, which is very difficult to explain. I've had this conversation with a lot of people and everyone's always like, you know, they, they come up with different explanations, but it's however you want to take it really. Um, but after that point, you know, my brother came home after two, three weeks of um, being in hospital. He, he woke up, uh, then was rehabilitating. And then we finally came home and I wasn't thinking about any business. Um, at that point, I was like, you know what, I need to give up my dreams of running a business. I need to give up my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I need to just forget about this. You know, I need to move on. I need to get a normal nine to five job like everyone else and just forget about this path that I'm going down. Yeah. Um, and in that time, you know, in the summer, I was I was always interested in startups and I applied for like one position that I was really interested in. Um, and after a couple of back and forth with them, because they were like, you know, you're 29, you've got a lot of experience. We, we don't have any money to pay you. I was like, don't worry, you know, I'll work for literally whatever you can afford to pay me. Um, and I ended up getting the foot in through the door um, and ended up building up that campaign. And that's the campaign that ended up raising 1.6 million, um, which ended up to where I am right now, which is after five years, uh, I ended up, you know, setting up my own agency and have raised 31 million for crowdfunding projects around the world. So that's how I got there. So the, how does that work? I mean, I've, I've, 
my company, I started with a $20 loan and, and went out and knocked on doors. How does that work? I, I like somebody reaches out to you and says, Hey, uh, we need money to start our business up and you help them find it. Um, so crowdfunding is just a way to launch a business, right? If you think about the, what I like to call the broken launch method of launching a business, like say, for example, I'm launching, you know, this card today, then I'm going to, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is set up a website, set up some social media, start running some ads and stores open. Right. But what's the smarter way of doing this is, maybe putting up a website before I even make this card. It doesn't even have to look like this card. It can look like something like this card. Right. Put up a website for it, build up all my social media. Don't, don't, don't show everybody your credit card number, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or it doesn't, that, that one doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, man, people are going to screenshot that and mm -hmm. zoom in and, and try to charge a, a new TV or something for Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, good. good. I, I didn't even realize that was, that's not even my card. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's someone's, I think it's my brother's card. Yeah. So, so go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Uh, no. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so rather than uh, offering the product and investing in inventory before you launch this product to market, I mean, it can be applied to anything. It can be applied to a book, a training course that you're doing. Actually find the people that want to buy this product. Test it out with them before you launch it to the market. So build up a, a list of leads, build up emails of people that are interested. And then after a period of buildup, do you then launch that product? If you do if you do it that way, then you're going to have a pipeline of people. You're going to get have a huge sales on day one, and then you're going to have a really nice long tail of sales and a pipeline. The number of reasons why a business fails that I've seen and the ones that I've failed numerous times is because I've just gone in and focused on making the website, uh, getting it up there. And then I'm like, okay, my shop's open. Now what? You know, right. So, it's almost like an afterthought, whereas maybe marketing your product initially is the first thought that you come to. And yeah. also validating the idea even before you go and make that. You know, I've met so many people that spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on making something. And this is this is I've seen this from big companies as well. You know, uh, we've worked with people like Xiaomi and people like that to launch their products to market and they make the same mistake. You know, they're just sitting there one day with the R&D team. Oh, what can we launch? Um, they launch something and just crickets, right? Yeah. But what you've got to do is before you even get to that stage where you're building it or developing it is test it and see where the people want it. If you do that, I guarantee your business is going to have much better chance of success than just launching it on a whim, right? So, so you help people. Did, uh, I guess... You help people determine whether or not their product or service is even viable. Yeah, so we, we help people uh, three ways. We help validate the idea initially. Um, so we have a 30-day testing period where we set everything up for them. We validate the idea to see whether it's got legs. Uh, we do survey forms. We do a whole bunch of other stuff to make sure that people are interested in this. Um, and, if and you so do you do you run ads and and for for taking surveys and stuff like that 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we would set up a, a sales funnel for the, the product that we're going to launch. We'd test it out. We'd have a deposit structure as well in there. So people, if they like, for example, you know, uh, this cream, they would place <laughs> they would place a seven dollar deposit um, and be part of a VIP group where, you know, you can uh. conversate about this product. Um, and it's not you know, a lot of people are making groups at the moment around that product. But what we're doing is actually creating a community around people who like camping, for example, and the product you've created is around camping. So then the person would become the figure face of it. Um, it's much easier to be the face of a brand and sell something rather than just having two brands competing. If you think about, uh, you know, Nike, Nike spends billions on that brand. And if you were going to create a brand called Crocs, um, and you just put it out there, you would have probably no sales because people are going to be comparing like to like. But then if right. I said, hey, my name's Sa Samit Patel and I'm the creator of Crocs, I've created this because I got really tired of walking for long distances and my shoe falling apart and I wanted something for really bad back pains and right. this is what I've created. Now I'm the salesperson. I'm much more likely to get sales than the, the brand Crocs on its own. Um, so we we help people do that, you know, become the face of that brand, help them go through that process to test out whether they've got a strong idea and right. if they learn how to make that idea stronger. Then once the validation test is passed, then we do a build up campaign, which lasts anywhere between um, 30 to 90 days where we're building up a list of people engaged and that want this product. And then by the end of that process, we launch the product through crowdfunding, for example. Uh, so crowdfunding, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, these are just launch vehicles, but you can actually launch through your website. We've done this. You can launch through Amazon. You can launch your podcast this way. You can launch your music career. You can launch anything you want in this same method. Um, the only reason people uh, we recommend crowdfunding is because they've got an existing community. So if you raise 100,000, for example, then uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they will bring you another 20 to 40% of money free from that community. So it's all about getting trend trending on the platform and getting across the algorithm and getting your product out there. And that's, that's how crowdfunding works. But you can do the same launch sequence through your website. So when, you know, when Zach Benson introduced you to me in the email, introduced us, he said, you're the number one crowdfunding marketer in the world. And and I think that that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, $31 million you've raised. Yeah, so that, that's for A to Z, right? A lot of, there's a lot of agencies out there that claim bigger numbers, but the, the exact numbers that we have is directly attributable to the work that we've done. Uh, whereas other campaigns, there's probably like 10 people working on it and they go, hey, you know, we did a video that raised 10 million, but the video has got nothing to do with it. Video is just one part of it. Right. But right. We do, we do the whole process. So we set up the sales funnel. We do the videos. We do the photos. We do everything that's needed to make a successful campaign. Um, so A to Z version of it. Um, and Zach probably said um, I'm the world's best expert because I'm, I'm recommended by Kickstarter on their website. I'm recommended by Indiegogo on their website. I'm recommended by a lot of incubators, accelerators, and a bunch of other people around the world uh, for what I do. Um, 
Wow. And again, you know, the, the what I want people to get out of this was it wasn't really what I intended to do. Uh, it happened by accident. I gave up on business in 2015, right? I didn't want anything to do with it. But, you know, the path that it's led me to is where I am now, which is um, I've got a successful business. I'm an uh, influencer in the space. Uh, I do talks around the world. I'm in great podcasts like yourself. Um, and I'm now helping other people uh, to change their mindset um, and helping people to understand. Actually, you know, I know we get we get pushed every day with the messaging that entrepreneurship, you should be running your business. Forget the nine to five. Yeah, I, I actually think there's a hybrid model there somewhere. You know, if I thought to myself and, you know, if I graduated in 2009 and just went for a corporate job, I would learn the skill set that I need to be even more successful. I would probably have a good finances coming in, which would allow me finances to play around and push into my various businesses rather than bootstrapping them. Um, so there's a lot of benefit to doing a nine to five job. You know, you get the structure, you get the social environment, you get the money that you need. Um, and then you can do a side hustle, as people say. And I, I believe that method a lot, you know, I've, I've spoke to a lot of people who have just given up on their jobs, but then have no money. And I'm like, the number one business why businesses fail is because they run out of money, right? But if you, yeah. you can, if you can, like, the way we are right now is it's so powerful that we have things like Upwork, freelance, all these freelancing websites. Yeah. If you're earning a salary of two thousand a month, you can then put five hundred of that and hire someone else to do potentially the job that you are going to do. Like if you're going to make a website or if you're going to be chasing this person up, hire a VA to do that. So that's the sort of thinking that I like to push out there because I think it's much more powerful um, for people. Obviously, you're going to need the mindset of, you know, I need to go all in at some point. Um, but people that have families, people that have um, houses, people that have all these responsibilities, it's not easy to just go, hey, I'm going to quit my nine to five. And that's the riskiest position to put yourself in. So like Chris Benton says that they own babyfunding.com and want to turn that into a niche crowdfunding platform. Is that something that you you can help people with or things like that? Yeah, so I can, I can help advise him on how best to do that. Um, so I think what he's trying to do is, is he going to be the hub for people's babies products and they're going to raise money on there or what what or is he trying to crowdfund his product what what is yeah. he trying to do is probably the question that i need to ask him yeah right right so so well i'm and and so he should reach out to you <laughs> but but so so the the um Explain how, because I've obviously I've heard of Kickstarter, but I don't know what it is. I, I I have no, and I'm in marketing. That's probably not good. So what is, and I, well, I do website development and marketing and stuff like that. But um, what is, what is Kickstarter? What, like if I have a, 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 a really cool little USB thing that I want to, want to market and it costs me, five dollars to make this thing do i go to kickstarter and and that how, how does that work yeah so if you've got something that is cool and is going to stand out then kickstarter is definitely a platform for you it's a platform where there's a lot of innovative products that go onto there so like oculus was a big case study 
um, which led to the VR revolution, right? Yeah. Facebook taking over, and that originally launched on Kickstarter. You've also got, um, you know, a lot of games and things like that where people just make a game, put it up, and it goes viral and ends up getting a lot of money. So most of the innovative products that you see have stemmed from uh, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or crowdfunding as a platform. Um, and what people do is they launch things onto this platform um, and they don't have to ship the product. That's that's the beauty of this, right? So I could launch my cream bottle and say, hey, look, you know, this is what it is. It's amazing cream bottle. It's really good for your skin. Um, and even without producing it and having any inventory, I can tell people they can start paying an early bird price of $49. Um, and this, this product could have a delivery of one year. So I wouldn't have to deliver that product to that person. And there's also no guarantee. So there's no personal guarantee that you have to deliver. So, um, you know, a lot of campaigns have got into trouble where they've had manufacturing costs go up and it's just meant that they've ended up going broke. So it's a very cool way to validate your idea without going and getting really expensive inventory. Um, so people people are investing in your your cream bottle and, and they're basically just taking a chance that yeah. what's the payoff for them? Um, well, it used to be a thing where crowdfunding used to be really risky, but now um, a lot of products are delivering. So the payoff is that they get this bottle could be 126, but I'm offering it for a 50% discount at e six bucks or something like that. And that's the only payoff. They don't get a percentage of the company or anything. No, no. so <laughs> well, the consumer, the consumer side of it is that they're just investing in the product and want to see this product come to market. You do have equity crowdfunding, and that is in they get a piece of your company. So. If you if okay. you start the company and you've got good financials, you can say, hey, you know, you can own 10 percent of my company and people can invest anywhere between 100 to a lot more money into this. Yeah. It's called micro investing. Yeah. Um, and they would own a decimal point of that 10 percent that you're giving away. Wow. Wow. And is that in perpetuity? Uh, I don't know what that word means. Is that forever? They get that oh. forever? Uh, yeah, so you know, you usually, probably. Yeah, you're usually give, giving them a dividend if the company does well. If you sell the company, then obviously that's where they get that payout. Got it. Got it. Wow. It sounds like you know this stuff. Chris says that it, it'll be for people that need help with trying to get pregnant but can't, and it's expensive to do so. So. Uh yeah, so what, what's the payoff for, the, is it just people giving out the goodness of their heart? And if so, then, you know, there are websites that exist like GoFundMe, um, which is for these charity uh, sort of initiatives. Yeah. Uh, it would be a case of why, you know, who would be your community? You could probably create something, um, you know, and what it could be is, but you've got to get maybe the ball rolling. So people that have had support from other uh, people to fund that pregnancy, once they get pregnant, then they would maybe uh, micro fund others. So it creates like a little community around it. So I would maybe focus on creating the community first around it um, and finding these people. If you've got a good community of people that you know are quite charitable, um, then this could be something that you can launch. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow, man, you know this stuff. So where would if if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, let me put your is it uh what's your what's your um website address? Yeah, so they can go directly to my website, samitpatel.net. Um there's also a free crowdfunding training on there that they can also sign up for, which would be quite good. Um if they want uh, to check out the agency, then they can go to jupio.com where we do a lot of other different bits and bobs of marketing for people as well. Is that uh, is that linked from Samit Patel? Uh, no, it's not. It's a separate one, yeah. So Samit Patel oh. ones is just like my personal website where we, we do take on clients for the same thing, but uh, Jupio is the, the agency brand. Well, how do you spell that? What's the website? J-O-O-P-I-O.com. J O O P I O dot com. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Right there. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. So, so, um, <laughs> Pam's already on her way there. So that's awesome. So, um, let me ask you this question and, and cause I ask everybody this that's, that's on the show. What do you think the number one thing is that holds people back from success and joy, freedom in life? Oh, that's a, that's a difficult one to, to really answer. Um, I think I think it's just people's circumstances at the point in time they are at, right? Like there's there's a lot of different things that are going on with people and there's different solutions or different things that people need to maybe do at a point in time you know if if for example the story of when i was getting beaten up i think it was a case of having a motivation to uh, get out of that and also to have the patience to be able to <laughs> take the beatings and work through it um, I think also, you know, when uh, I was getting sued by the other business partner again, I think it's a case of, you know, me trying to pursue my dreams of being an entrepreneur um, and trying to rush things through and trying to take the easy way out. I think again is where, um, you know, a bit of patience could have been uh, used and also educating myself around business a lot more. Um, I don't think at that time and point, you know, education was so readily available about how to create your funnels, how to launch businesses to market, how to um, access to money as well. Um, as Phil pointed out, um, you know, initially I didn't have access to money, even though there's probably ways of getting it through applying for VCs. But now we've got to a place where everything is done through the Internet and you can very easily set something up without too much investment going into it. Um, I think sometimes also people combine the wrong skill set, you know. So I used to be the thought that I wanted to create an app, but having gone through that process, I realized actually it's a much more difficult thing to do. And, you know, if I was seeking money to build an app, the first thing I would tell people is actually you need to find a good partner that is your co-founder and is the developer on board. Otherwise, forget that, right? You should be trying to create a business that's within your skill set. If it's not within your skill set, then that's half of the problem. And by saying that you don't have the money is probably, again, 
uh, a partial reason, you know, that you're probably trying to do something outside of your realms. Um, the first easiest thing that you can do with the business is set something up with your skills, set a service based uh, business up like I have done. Um, yeah. That's a really easy one to sort of set up because you can uh, build and use the skills that you have. And then you can use the money that you're generating from your agency to funnel into other ventures that you want to do. And that's the same with what I've done. I use the agency as a way to funnel into other things that I want to do and investments and things like that. Yeah. Um, you don't have that ground, solid ground base baseline, then it's very difficult for you to do other things. You know, Tom Ginn says the real problem is not having an idea. It's taking action. I, I you know, I, I do agree, man. I think a lot of people will have an, an idea. I, I mean, there's there's this thing called, and you can look it up later, but it's called the hundredth monkey syndrome, yeah. basically where they they teach a, a two baby monkeys from the same family. They'll take one to an island on the other side of the world. They teach this monkey a trick. And then within a very short amount of time, the other monkey, without being taught that trick, will start doing it. Because Einstein said everything is energy in motion. And so... You know, have you ever like, you know, I, I ask this often, have you ever had an idea for something maybe in the shower and 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 you, you just kind of blow it off or you start telling yourself all the reasons why you can't do it. And then six months later, you see it at uh, on the shelf at Walmart or something. You're like, that was my idea. I can't believe that. So, you know, I think what you what you are doing is is you help people find the way you help them find the the market the money the whatever it is to take their idea from here to reality is that is that is that a fair summation yeah pretty much you know uh, whatever sort of business idea they have uh taking that and growing it into the business that they want um i think yeah. the other thing is you know i used to be a guy that used to just just do it right like yeah. as um as your listener said yeah. um but i think i realized after a while like you've got to plan it out a little bit rather than just take action um that's yeah. one of the the steps that i've you know identified in the failures that i've had i just sort of go gung-ho into something without thinking about it and then once i've spent a lot of money behind it then i realize oh crap actually not the right thing so yeah. that's why after thinking about the failures, I've created this system which allows me to have a much better success ratio to what I'm doing. You know, if, like I was going to launch a product of my own recently, which was a a UV box that you can put your mask into and it would uh, sanitize the mask. I thought it was a great idea. I thought it would make a lot of money. I tested it out and I got people signing up, but it wasn't the level I wanted it to be. So I didn't pursue the idea. So um, it's it's things like that. You know, you want to, you like every idea, there's 7 billion people here, right? There's going to be someone, there's going to be a bunch of people that want to buy your product, but it's about the scale you want to get to. You know, do right. you want to make 50,000 or do you want to make a million is, is the question you've got to also yeah. ask. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, regardless of, of what your brother does or what anybody else does, I think uh, I think you're brilliant, man. I think you're yeah. brilliant. I, 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 the fact that you've raised thirty-one million dollars is is um, impressive. So, should I, I tell you a happy ending to my brother's story as well? Yes, love to hear that. He became a doctor, famous surgeon. 
<laughs> no, he's he's he graduated, but he set up. He's got his own business. He set this up in university, um, but it's grown into a massive thing now. Um, he's going to be on the UK's version of Shark Tank, which is Dragon's Den. Uh, his brand is OcuShield, which is a screen protector for those that don't like blue light. So he's got laptop covers, iPhone covers, and this has been his business. He sells all around the world, really, um, and wow. sells in uh, Apple resellers. He's going to be in Nordstrom as well, which I think is a big US uh, entity as well. So, yeah, he's doing amazingly well for himself. That's awesome. Did you help him raise the money? <laughs> uh, I, I helped him launch a couple of products. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Samit, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here and, and being so uh, open and honest and just, man, your story is insane. Everybody needs to go follow you. There's uh there's jupio.com. That's your agency. And then there's samitpatel.net. Um, where people can, and you said there's a free, free training or a free something on there. Yeah, there, there's a free crowdfunding training that people can jump on to. Um, yeah, just, just sign up for it and then go on to the webinar. Um, I'm, I'm going to be updating some things as well. So, you know, you'll, you'll be getting constant, uh, knowledge on how to build up stuff. I also post some of my really good stuff on Instagram. So, uh, you can maybe add a uh, checklist there. And if anyone else has podcasts or any way for me to spread my message, I'd love to be connected. Yeah. Um, and yeah, would be great. Thank you. Definitely. Well, Samit, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Don't hang up on me. I'm going to end the live stream. Um, but thank you to everybody who's watched this. If you haven't shared it out yet, or if you have shared it out, share it again. Or share it, you know, multiple times. Put it into Facebook groups and everywhere. So I thank think, you all. Appreciate you. Yeah. I, I think tag someone uh, that actually would benefit from this story, which would be really good, you know, because yes. there's a lot, lot of people out there that are going through similar struggles. And, yeah, it's important to let, let it be known. Amen. I agree, man. I agree. So thank you. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks so much, Samit. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. Thanks.